We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine from Tasmania. The show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. Head to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Ollie Dove, and I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording, the Palawa people. As I record on Luchwita, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from where you are listening as well. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to elders past and present. Welcome back, everyone. This is week two of our fieldwork double bill. Last week, we heard from Maddie, Javid, Ben, Sophia and Jazz as to their fieldwork experiences. And they've got more stories for you this week. Throughout the conversations that you'll hear, you might hear some background noises, which could be the birds coming home in the evening or some wind because this is the windiest place I've ever been in my life. But what you won't hear is the sounds of other people. Wedge Island is uninhabited. There is no one else but us here. Without further ado, let's hear from our first two guests, Maddie and Javid. What's been one of the more memorable moments of the trip? Being chomped on the finger. <laughs> by the bird, not by Javid or Ollie, <laughs> presumably. Uh, yeah, look, can't confirm. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Note to self, edit out. So if you're working from sunset onwards, how do you make use of your free time? Anyone want to tell us the adventures you get up to? Go for a walk along the beach, try not to roll an ankle on the rocks, walk around the island. Read, sometimes work, but generally the island life takes over. Island life is so strong when it's hot. We do nothing. We just try and avoid the sun. What's your favourite pastime? Favourite pastime during the day? Um, I don't know, a little bit of little bit of exercise where possible. I was going to say you're much more diligent at us than mm. at the whole working out situation. Yeah, well, I just get bored. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's a long day of doing nothing, which is amazing, but I feel better about myself if I do 30 minutes of activity <laughs> to, to interrupt the, uh, you know, seven hours of sitting down. <laughs> and I can't believe neither of you have talked about two of our combined passions, our meditation and our wordles. Oh, our wordles. <laughs> yeah. We all did it today. <laughs> That's been a morning tradition. It's been amazing. Sometimes a midnight tradition. Yeah. They come out at 12 and we are ready to do it at 12. <laughs> Have you guys got up to much other field work outside of Wedge previously? Yeah, I've done a bit. I did um, a bit of little penguin work in South Australia. Uh, mostly just nest checking, burrow checking and checking on the adults and chicks. We did that every night over the summer period for three months, so we took turns doing that. Um, and I've also done work in Costa Rica with sea turtles. Um, Didn't you get an injury from a sea turtle one time? 
No, that was one of my friends who got the end of his finger bitten off. So don't go sticking your hands near sea turtle mouths. (laughs) Rough. Yes, very rough. Um, And I've done a little bit of work in Iceland with Arctic foxes, um, as well as some glacier work with glacier rotifers, and then some diving work when I lived up in Queensland on the uh, Southern Barrier Reef, which was great. Can you explain what a glacial rotifer is? Glacial rotifer? Um, So I don't really know how to explain what a glacial (laughs) rotifer is. Um, So basically what this professor in Iceland was looking for, well, he had this hypothesis that there were um, these small invertebrates that were living um, in the glacier in Iceland, which hadn't previously been documented because he had found them in Alaska before. So he wanted to go check out if they were there, and it involved a lot of digging (laughs) (laughs) until we reached the glacier. Um, And um, as far as I'm aware, he he didn't find these um, the presence of these rotifers anywhere. So yeah, lots of digging and hard work. Um, And he he messaged me saying all he found on the microscope were the little hairs of my feathers. Of my feathers, (laughs) I'm turning into a bird. (laughs) The little hairs of my gloves. Java spent. Java has spent too much time on Wedge Island with the penguins and the shearwaters. He now has feathers. <laughs> it just made such a horrible sound. Um, if someone was listening to this and wanted to do field work, what would you say is a good skill for a field worker or like a field biologist to have? What makes someone work well when they're out here? Being resilient to things changing all the time. The weather, the animals not doing what you want. Dirt in your hands all the time. Buckets. Buckets. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say just the general resilience is a good base skill to have for whatever whatever you do. Yeah. yeah, we're currently sat in a gazebo that is lower than normal because if we put it on a normal setting, it will fly away in the wind. Which means all three of us have an achy back because we have been crouching for two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say I would agree with that in putting up with not ideal situations. If you could go anywhere in the world for field work with any animal or plant, where would you go and with what or for what? Uh, I think I would have to say um, going down to Antarctica, which has been a lifelong dream of mine, and probably working with the Adelie penguins, which I'm currently working on now. I think, yeah, that would be a dream come true. So let's put that as number one. I can imagine you doing a slow run with them as you're reunited with your study species, (laughs) like running towards them. Maddie? Um, I would also say Antarctica or the sub-Antarctic islands, Mm -hmm. work with penguins or albatross. Otherwise, Scotland and with the puffins. Uh, Otherwise, Scotland. Yeah, puffins. Everyone loves puffins. <laughs> Everyone does love puffins. They are cute as. What's your favourite memory on Wedge? Um, putting my first tag on the bird. That was really cool. Yeah, so much anticipation. And yeah, it was just really nice to do that. And under such expert guidance as well. That was great. Oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> Thanks. I don't feel like an expert. So Javid and I came out here um, 
together as volunteers two years ago and I've kept coming twice a year as it's my PhD but Java does a very similar thing so he came out this year to learn and we've been tagging and he did, he did a third of our deployments which is awesome and he did it very well by the end I wasn't even bothering to watch I just yeah. let him do my job <laughs> for me <laughs> any final pieces of advice or wisdom you'd want to pass on or happy memories you want to share or bitter regrets from this trip that you want to air at me publicly (laughs) anything out there I got nothing (laughs) it's been pretty good there's been um, some more challenging moments than others more just like late nights and um swallowing moths and having moths fly up your nose <laughs> which has been lovely um, and having um, birds bite you mm. which is understandable um, and but yeah no it's been really fun and I've had a really good time and would definitely come back and give up two weeks to be on such a beautiful island it's been great wear sunscreen don't be like first day Maddie wear mm. I was literally a tomato Otherwise, yeah, it's been a great place to be. Learned a lot. Been here with some awesome people, so wouldn't change a thing. You heard it here first. Wear sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Ben and Sophia. Do either of you have a dream animal or a dream species that you would love to work with that you'd jump at the chance to if you got one? Definitely octopus. <laughs> but because I'm an ecologist, I mean, there's, uh, there is research there to be done. And I know people are looking into what they're doing locally. But I think the stuff I'm interested in is probably going to require... Uh, big predators or larger species that I can follow around Um, but yeah octopus would be a pet project for me to just meet them mostly rather than study what they're doing or how the ecology is affecting them so I just love those animals so much yeah and you were a finalist in a photography competition right yes I have met an octopus a Maori octopus um, that was actually on a field trip as well um, we were out in Marion Bay in Tassie with Utah's um, undergrad project and we were looking at the salt marsh out in Marion Bay um, and looking at the things that are living in there so all my field trips are marine related not so much seabirds or terrestrial um, so I just looked up from the salt marsh and in the creek behind I saw something come up sort of just above the surface and um, I looked at it again and it was an octopus creeping upstream in low tide um, looking at any crabs or anything it could find Um, and then I kind of disconnected from the group and spent at least an hour with that octopus (laughs) (laughs) and the the tutors there didn't mind because they could see how passionate I was and that was a life-changing experience and yes I have a good photo of that which has been, it's now hanging in my house as well, but has been nominated in a competition. Yes. My teacher ox- octopus. <laughs> Sophia's teacher octopus, even. <laughs> it should be. Oh, what about you, Ben? Favourite or a dream species? Uh, polar bear or snow leopard. I would, I would jump at the opportunity. 
don't know if I'd leave my PhD. Oh, geez, I don't know. That, that's how that's how alluring those two species are. I think to be able to work with them, uh, not even just to work with them, just to be able to see them in the wild. I wouldn't leave my PhD just to see them in the wild. But <laughs> disclaimer uh, for his supervisors there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but they have always been two species that I've been fascinated with my entire life. But there's, I don't know, there's so many. There's so many in the world that that I want to see. Amsterdam albatross um, is another one. Snow petrel. I haven't seen a snow petrel before. Being able to go south and see a snow petrel would change my life. It'd be phenomenal. So lush. Sophia, could you explain what we're looking at right now? What's happening? Yeah, so there's a sunset happening here on Wedge and um, it's a cloudy day today. So you can kind of see the contrast of the shearwaters starting to return back from their voyage out to sea to feed. Um, they just started rolling in and they will be swarming the sky in the next couple of minutes. Um, it's a little bit of a windy day, but not too much. Uh, they are silent. Um, you can't hear anything from their end. And it's just a gorgeous view to look at the sky full of birds silent for now insert clip of me getting it at 4am what it sounds like <laughs> i should take one next week <laughs> i might just hold the microphone outside my tent we, we can just mimic it. I love, oh yeah fabulous impersonation there um Relax. Honestly, I love the noise of them, the background noise. It's it's soothing. We unfortunately have to go get ready to work as the shearwaters are indeed rolling in and within maybe 10, 15 minutes we will be up there trying to not get hit in the head by the birds. But do either of you have a good tip for field life because obviously as you say no toilet you've got to dodge the fishing boats um, and we're camping the whole time is there any item that you found invaluable or anything any neat trick to solve something that you wouldn't have thought of until you were here so one thing that's been useful that I didn't bring on this trip so it kind of <laughs> defeats the point um is when you're dealing with ticks, when they get embedded into you. Like, you know those little wart kill sticks that you can get? They work really well at getting ticks out of your body. Um, and so if you're working somewhere like a seabird colony where you, there's lots of ticks around and you could get um, a tick embedded in you, those things are pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that freezing them as the way to get rid of them. Oh, yeah, you had a bit of a catastrophe in your first night, didn't you? And I it did? took a bit of... <laughs> <laughs> bit, oh, of tico, yeah. bit of teamwork to solve. I guess maybe bring two mattresses. <laughs> I've been sleeping uh, without a mattress this whole trip, which yeah. is, it's been all right. We, we folded up a tarp and Sophia brought a yoga mat, which has been great. Um, but Very princess and the pea vibes. Yeah, it's not, been, it's not been the most luxury accommodation, but that's it's mm. part of the job. It's fun. Okay, yeah, something that is actually kudos to my boyfriend who prepped all the meals that yeah, we were genius. taking Thank you, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he explained to me that when he goes camping he meal preps everything and vac seals it into a bag so we had a bolognese that was pre-cooked in a pressure cooker and um, a vegan chickpea curry and 
all of those meals were pretty much done. All we had to do is reheat them and cook some rice or pasta with it. And it was absolutely gorgeous and the easiest way to still have some fresh kind of meals that had some vegetables in it and not eat sort of ready meals all the time. So that was the best thing ever. And we froze it before we came. So it was kind of like an ice pack in, in the bag as well. Yeah, that food has been absolutely incredible. And I'm so stoked that you also gave us an extra one for Jazz and I to eat next week. <laughs> we love food donations. Please send any to Wedge for anyone listening. Um, so, yeah, oh, more and more birds are coming in. Do either of you have any final words, anything you want to drop on the listeners? Oh, one thing with uh, Sophia found a paper nautilus. That was really cool. Mm. <laughs> that was very cool. Very envious. Can you explain what that is? Because I feel like out of context, that sounds like origami. Kind of feels like origami. It's um, maybe Sophia's better to talk about it because she loves cephalopods. But go for it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a species of cephalopod. So the way I explained it to my boyfriend on my phone very briefly was it's uh, an, a little octopus hides inside a shell similar you can picture basically a bigger hermit crab um, but the shell itself is paper thin it's basically see-through a little bit white and it's secreted by the animal itself um, similar to a snail uh, having a house but um, they are mollusks so they're related to snails and um, it, the nautilus itself when the octopus inside it it's also called an Argonaut, um, they float around the pelagic in their little shells. So, yes. And I've been reading about Jason and the Argonauts this week. Oh, it's all connected. Yeah, and cephalopod should be cephalopod because it comes from ancient Greek kephos, doesn't it? Which is yeah 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 i read that too my gosh mind blowing well thank you so much guys let's go find some shielders the last new voice to come on the episode this week is jazz and a bonus fact about jazz is that we actually play footy together for the uni rainbows so shout out to the bows So back to field work, are there any particular skills you sort of, you've grown up with an interest in birds, which means your ID level is pretty impeccable. So are there any similar skills or other skills that you think if kids or teens are listening to this, that they can develop alongside their studies that could help them in the field one day? Uh... I guess just like watching things enough or going out and finding things enough that you can almost predict what you're going to find in places is a really cool thing to be able to do. So like just understanding the relationship between habitats and species and communities. Like, for example, if you go to rock pools and just like lift up heaps of rocks like we were doing yesterday, you can kind of learn that some rocks like that might have sponges underneath them might also have like a certain type of starfish or something. So just, I don't know, just going out and doing that enough times that you learn patterns. Um, and then you can start to see those patterns in other groups. And I feel like habitat's a really important thing to understand generally across ecology and field work. So I don't know, that's kind of, kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that is indeed. Can you tell the listeners about some of the 
amazing things we found. Well, you found you found them and then you showed them to me because you're much better at looking in rock pools than I am. <laughs> but what, what did you find yesterday? Uh, we found crabs. <laughs> we found more than crabs. Oh, <laughs> uh, we found starfish. Oh, she, I don't know why she's drawing this out so much. It's like some weird, like, tantalizing thing. <laughs> we found, uh, rocks and <laughs> shells and snails. And a giant elephant oh, snail. Yeah. We found an elephant snail that was, like, bigger than my hand, which is the biggest one I've ever seen. We found, oh, we found brittle stars. Um,. Decorator crabs. What was that little thing that's not a fish but not an eel? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. it was, I think it might be like a weed fish or something, but I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, it looks like a teeny tiny eel, but is a yeah. fish. Exactly. Do you have a favourite species or animal that you've worked with so far? Oh. Um, well, I did do my honours on little penguins, so I have grown to enjoy them quite a bit. Big up the little penguins. Exactly. Uh, they kind of, they're just cool. They, I, I went through a lot of images of them on camera traps and they just looked like super freaky in the infrared and I'd listen to scary music and go through the pictures and it was just cool. Um, great story, that one. <laughs> oh, no. I loved it. I'm imagining all this like horror story, but you just turn around and it's a penguin. And honestly, I've seen them. We put our hands down burrows and it is scary when you get a penguin. They do not like hands, which is fair enough. Um, but they are loud and kind of like the Mr. Squeezy from Toy Story, but more aggressive. You know, one time on Wedge, before your time, Jazz. Well, actually, no, it was during your time. You were coming on other trips. But on my last trip here, we had a storm one day where over one day we had over 40 millimeters of rain and we had pretty strong winds. And we worked until 12.30 that evening and I came back to my tent to find a pool of water and it turns out that uv damage is a big thing for tents which i had no idea about and my tent had lost all waterproofing and so mid-storm at 12 30 a.m one evening i sort of battled with a tarp and some star pickets to get a tarp over my tent to stop the rain coming in so much and then i went in with a towel to clean up my tent and then put another tarp up so as I went to sleep that night, it was me, tarp, tent, tarp. And I woke up that morning with like a pool of water on me because it had still come in, which was great. But what was worse was that we had a spare tent. So the next day I was, we'd put up the spare tent and it was raining. That was the day with most of the rain and wind. And I was moving my stuff from the wet tent to the dry tent. And I turned around and our gazebo had flown away. It had come loose from where it had been pegged in and it had flown away and landed on a hut that we have here. And thankfully no one was hurt, but I don't think I've ever seen anything as funny or Wizard of Oz in my life as Luke walking out from the hut, my volunteer Luke, having to move the gazebo roof out of the door from the hut so that he could get out the hut and then the three of us with another volley called Maddie not the Maddie in the podcast funnily enough different Maddie but we had to sort of struggle to get the gazebo back down so yeah that was wild wasn't a fan of that day but the th Luke and Maddie were great companions we sort of we went into survival mode we couldn't do any work it was just you stay in your tent in your sleeping bag and you stay warm and you stay dry 
and you survive. And we did. And it turned out my boots weren't waterproof. <laughs> so that was my low point. <laughs> Any other words of wisdom or final points you'd like to make, Jazz? Uh, stay away from penguin fleas. <laughs> Jazz's biggest enemy this trip was fleas. <laughs> they, they hurt. Yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and Jazz is a very calm person and I have never seen her so angry as each time she got attacked by a flea. They hurt for days as well. It's like a week of pain. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it's really funny. And there we go. There you have it. A snippet of what life is like as a field biologist. It's messy. It's dirty. You're covered in fleas a lot of the time. And... You know what? Sometimes feces and vomit too. But overall, I think I speak for everyone that does field work. There's just something about it. There's just something moorish and addictive about either the early mornings or the late nights or the experiences that you know you just don't get back at your desk. The fact that when you're out here, you long for the comforts, but you enjoy the fact that you're uncomfortable. The fact that you get to see animals and plants in a way that you just wouldn't otherwise. The fact that you're right here. And I've been really fortunate with the amount of fieldwork that I've got to do throughout my PhD. Across my three and a half to four year degree, I'll have spent six months of my life on this island. And that's spread out across six trips, which have ranged from two weeks to five weeks at one time. My PhD has been incredibly stressful. These six the six trips that I'll organize aren't easy. You have the logistics stress, boat stress, data collection stress, sometimes team stress, and a lot, a lot of paperwork stress. But I would definitely do it all again. But for every volunteer that's come on wedge, Thank you so, so much. I really am incredibly grateful that you've given up your time to help me. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed learning from you. And once again, thanks to Maddie, Javid, Ben, Sophia and Jazz for coming on and just having a good old yarn about their times in the field. Thank you all for listening. Were the stories grosser than you expected? Were they less gross? Let us know. You can find us on all the social media channels. You've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look up That Science. And we even have a website, thatscience.org. Go check it out, thatscience.org, where you can find all the past episodes. From Wedge Island, the Shearwaters, Penguins and I wish you a very wonderful week. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gem Maker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. 
GemMaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.